Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for jumping on to our webcast today. We have a very, very special guest today and I'm absolutely thrilled to have him on because we get to catch up every now and again when we're face to face, but being on the other side of the world through a pandemic and when you can't catch up with people you really admire and love to connect with, it's hard. So this is the next best thing and he is super busy and uh, thrilled to have our very special guest today. So he is an in-demand expert in leadership development. He works as an executive coach for senior and emerging leaders. He's a keynote speaker and he facilitates learning delivery and executive strategy sessions. This person is a certified speaking professional, so a CSP. Now, by the way, CSPs or certified speaking professionals make up about 7% of the speaker's globally. So not all have the certification. He is actually even ranked in number six in the top 30 list of motivational speakers by Global Gurus. He's a certified trainer and a master facilitator. He's been featured in multiple national print, radio, TV, like the Wall Street Journal, CNN, Fox News, and the ABC. And he's also been a national media commentator as well. He's one of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 coaches. He's an international certified coach, and he's also a professional certified coach with the ICF. He's an ICF mentor coach, and he was also selected in 2020 by the ICF as Coach of the Week, which is an incredible feat considering that the ICF has more than 37,000 members across 143 countries. He's the author of an international best-selling book, a C-suite advisor, C-suite radio host of the fantastic podcast called Keep Leading Podcast, which I love the title. And it's also been featured in Apple Podcasts in the Coveted and that new and noteworthy section as well. He has also in one of the 60 contributing subject matter experts into the talent development body of knowledge, the definitive resource for talent development profession by the Association for Talent Development. He's worked with Fortune 500 companies, government agencies, correct me if I'm wrong, still in heavily involved with Harvard and the Kennedy Business School with our leadership development there. This person I'm having on who has kindly agreed to join us today is somebody who I deeply admire and I often reference when I talk about leadership brand and leadership personal presence and being able to really have that character and build that trust as a leader. So I am beyond thrilled today to please join me in welcoming, I'm going to do a round of applause for everybody, the special, the one and only Eddie Turner. Yay! welcome eddie i am so excited you are here (laughs) thank you so much for having me i am a huge huge fan of your work you're even in one of my presentations when i point to what great branding looks like what great strategy looks like as a role model for people to look up to the work that you're doing the impact you're having and i see some of your posts and i get re-energized 
And I also find myself adding things to my to-do list as I watch you. So truly, truly an honor to be here with you. Oh, thank you, Eddie. We have the Mutual Admiration Society on today. So uh, it's terrific. Yes. So Eddie, the people who listen to this podcast and who are watching this recording, so typically we work with people who are experts in their field. We do a little bit with corporate and working with leaders and building their personal brand and female leaders. But today what we do is we tend to talk a little bit about, uh, like to go under the bonnet a little bit, if you like, or in America, you would say under the hood. And uh, how did I go? Did I do that okay? Oh, <laughs> it just sounds so much better when you say it, Jane. It doesn't? So, So grateful for your time and know how busy you are. You've got one of the most powerful, I think, leadership and executive brands that I think we all have brand, whether we like it or not, but you have this incredible balance of authenticity and congruence, professionalism, positioning, humility, like you've got it all going on. And I think you're just, if I said the poster child for me to be able to say, here's what a great job looks like. So love to kind of delve into a bit of that today. So if you can tell us a little bit about how did you come to becoming into this path of leadership capability, deciding that you're going to work with leaders and build this brand that you've got of Eddie Turner and helping these people in this space? Well, thank you for the compliment. First of all, I can assure you that no, I don't have it all together. I'm a constant work in progress. The decision to go into leadership came because I was a technology professional. Mm-hmm. And in technology, I still say I'm a geek at heart. But I decided I wanted to go in a different direction. I had worked for some of the best companies in the world. In fact, Forbes calls some of the companies I work for the most admired. So I say I've seen the best lead the best. But leaders were not always the type of leaders I thought they should be. And I didn't have a point of reference to say that they should do this, they should do that. I just knew what didn't look right, what didn't feel right. So... I didn't have a degree. I was a technology guy. I went back to school and got a degree. And I was in a program entitled Leadership and Organization Behavior. Mm-hmm. And there I developed a framework to point to and say, ah, this is what I couldn't put into words, but hear what uh, Larry Rabiniak says or hear what Daniel Goldman says. So I began to have the actual empirical evidence to support what's just a gut feeling or things I had perhaps taken from a different part of my life in terms of religious beliefs. So here was something I could point to and not only just say, here's how it should be, here's why. Here are trusted experts in the field that say this. Here's Mm -hmm. the research that they've done. It shows the impact of doing it this way appropriately and what happens when you don't. Mm -hmm. Later on, I decided to become a coach. And so I went to Harvard to the Kennedy School of Government And that's where I studied under Ron Heifetz, Dr. Ron Heifetz, the father of adaptive leadership. And I've since gone through a couple of other programs. And I'll let your audience be the first to know that in about three weeks, I complete my last program, which will earn me an executive certificate in public leadership at the Harvard Kennedy School. Wow, that's fantastic. What a huge achievement to achieve that through there. Thank you. Well, it's a part of just a continuous learning process that I always say to my clients, we can't get comfortable. We must continue learning. And I invested myself in that same manner. And specifically, the program that I chose here allowed me to hone skills and address gaps. In some cases, I didn't realize I had. 
And so that is just obviously part of the value of continuous education. We don't know what we don't know until we learn what we don't know. <laughs> so true. So true. So, Eddie, I've got a few questions. One is when it comes to putting yourself out there, there's so much that comes with building this personal brand because you've come from this journey of this technical space and then coming in and building this leadership capability. When you started to market yourself and sort of put your name out there and start to say, okay, these are the people I want to work with, or even sometimes as you're leveling up every time in your practice, have you ever had the experience of the imposter syndrome and finding that, oh, I don't know if I can do this, I don't know if I'm good enough? Did you ever find that or did you find that no. it was just pretty natural? Absolutely. The imposter syndrome is very real. Mm-hmm. And I am absolutely a person who has suffered from the imposter syndrome. And in some cases, it's a matter of we draw a vision of success for ourselves. Mm-hmm. If I can only hit this point, then I will be happy. I'll be satisfied. And we get there. And then it's like, oh, well, maybe I'm not as smart as I think I am. And someone's bound to find out that I'm not as smart. Or we start to compare ourselves to others and see it looks like they have it all together. Yes. And then you realize that, no, we're all human. And what we see is a person who's putting in 110% effort. And at times that means that if we're putting in 110% in one area, we may be dropping the ball in other areas. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I've worked hard to be very intentional and to make adjustments along the way as I see the need to do so. And Eddie, in that time, like as you were going through that, how did you tackle that? Like, did you ever sort of, when you started to find your voice, whether it was through podcasts or speaking, what were some of the strategies that you started to do? Like, was it reading? Did you started to sort of find some mentors who had sort of been through the process? Like, what were some of the things that you had to do to, like, you talk about that curiosity to learn what you don't know? Were there other things that you did to sort of start to feel like, because we have that saying here in Australia that we've got the tall poppy syndrome, where here in Australia, we cut people down who put themselves out there and people kind of here we say who the hell does he think he is or who the hell does she think she is you know one of the cultural challenges that differences we see probably here that's why I love going to the U.S. because so many people are so enthusiastic they're like yeah go you that's awesome and here it's like who do you think you are so did you ever come across that and how did you get through that as well absolutely that happens all the time I had someone say to me in fact I had one client even say this to me that you are too loud on social media you're always bragging on social media. And they said all these different things to me. And I listened, I took it all in. And I always analyzed because we don't always see ourselves the way we really are. So I listened to what the person said. I analyzed, I said, maybe he's right. Maybe I am too loud. Mm -hmm. Maybe I am doing things inappropriately. But then I thought about what is it that I'm really doing? And what is this person saying that's so wrong? Well, one of the things that happened for me is when I decided I didn't want to be an IT professional anymore, I wanted to go into the human resources space or coaching and leadership development. I had a hard time getting HR people to take me serious. Okay. They would say, no, I'm not going to hire you. Why should I do that? You're an IT person. You have no HR experience. Even though I had started a degree program that was essentially an HR degree. And then, of course, as I got deeper into that program, IT people say, well, you're not serious about IT because you're not getting a computer science degree or engineering degree. So I was caught in the middle and it was quite painful for a while Okay, because I didn't have a home. Right. And a gentleman said to me, Tim Durkin, who's 
appears in my book. You can't be the world's best kept secret. And I'm a deeply private person. And so when he said those words to me, the light bulb went off. If people don't know about me, they can't buy me. But then also they don't know where to slot me. So I run a very intentional campaign to say very clearly what I represent, what I stand for, who I represent, what my target audience and market would be. And so that was in part a social media campaign, in part a campaign of joining various associations, networking, getting myself out there so that I was no longer a secret. That took time. And it's like what happens when farmers plant seeds. You don't see a crop immediately. It takes yeah. time, watering it, nurturing, pruning. And then eventually you start to see those first sprouts. And then you have a full plant, full crop, and something that you're able to now glean from and benefit from. And that's the way it was for me. It was a process. And that process is now paying dividends. And so there are people that may say things, and I listen. But in some cases, you have to decide and discern how much of it may be for other reasons that people are making those statements. And then what's the byproduct? As an independent business professional, people won't buy us if they don't know about us and they don't know what to buy if we aren't very clear. And so I had to do that. And so I make no apologies for what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Obviously, we don't want to be stepping on someone else or being a person that is coming up the way that we shouldn't. But sometimes... Everything that someone says, sometimes what they're saying and pointing the finger at you, there's three fingers pointing back at them. Right. (laughs) That's so true, isn't it? And you make a really powerful point, I think, Eddie, is that being able to be easy to buy, we think we're easy to buy. We kind of go, oh, I've got a website and I've got a LinkedIn profile and that sort of stuff. But particularly in the leadership space, is that, I don't know if you find this, but I find a lot of people will say to me, oh, well, how am I supposed to compete because I'm in the leadership space or I'm a leadership coach or a leadership expert, so speaker, trainer, coach, consultant. I'm in the leadership space and there's so many of us, how do I compete? And they can sort of lose heart a little bit. Did you find that the experience for you and like if we look at these incredible certifications that you have even on your screen, like all these differentiators, when we're in such a category, leadership's always an interesting one because it's a category people understand how to buy. The next step is being able to differentiate, isn't it? Is that how you stood out against other leadership experts when, I mean, you work with some of the biggest companies in the world and the biggest brands. How have you been able to connect with them in this category. No, you're absolutely right. In fact, when I started my professional speaking career in NSA, how you and I met each other, I was a technology speaker. I wasn't getting booked. Right. And my mentor said to me, the same person I quoted earlier, Tim Durkin, he said, you should try speaking on leadership. I said, everybody speaks on leadership. He said, that's (laughs) exactly. And so I said, oh, and so he was absolutely right. And so I had to carve out what's my unique point of view. What is my voice going to be in this busy space? But then it brought even more to fore the importance of a strong brand and how do you differentiate yourself between all the other speakers out there, all the other coaches. I was a part of a program where this institution was churning out at least 200 new coaches a year just in the city of Houston. Really? 
Wow. And it, that's just one of the schools. Well, what about the other schools in Houston? What about the other schools in the country? What about the globe? So hundreds, if not thousands of coaches enter this space every year. All There's plenty of pie to go around, <laughs> but it means you must work harder right. for your slice. Right. And part of that, it's just not about hanging out the shingle. As you said earlier, a person may say, I've got the website, I got my cards, and then nothing happens. The phone doesn't mm-hmm. ring, the inbox doesn't fill up. And that's because we haven't differentiated ourselves. We've become a commodity. So the yes. other problem is not only are we not getting booked, but when we are getting booked, we're getting booked for prices that don't allow us to sustain our careers, sustain our families. So we give up an exasperation and go and do some other work. That's not where any of us wants to be. So right. we must take control of our brand, own it, craft it, and put it out there. That's why I love the work that you do, Jane. You show people how to do that better than anybody. And everything about you, I mean, this beautiful backdrop you have here. I mean, I'm not surprised to see this. The moment I saw this, I went, that's so Jane. Your presence on Instagram, your cards, when people see you in person, it is all just spot on. And it's like, this is what you need to copy right here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a fine line, isn't it, Eddie? Like using the tools that we can to bring in sort of that balance of authenticity. One of the things I often share is that I, when I first started my practice, I had this great photographer she was on my vision board to be able to work with her and she did all these great shots and it wasn't a one day someone said to me I went to this meeting with this organization I was with the CEO and he said you're so much more down to earth than I thought you were going to be and he said I went like that really planted me back in my seat and I thought yeah you know what this is where video comes in this is where we need to talk this is where people need to hear our voice as you've been building your brand have you found that being able to get the mix of that or what has there been the value of video for you like has that had a real value for you in your collateral now are you bringing more of that in or is it more balanced or what are you finding no question about it Jane I like the way you said that because I hadn't made that connection But you're absolutely right. When people see our photos, they may think we're more brash or, and then then they meet us. They're like, wow, you're normal. You're down to earth. You're human. And it's like, what gave you the pain? I wasn't, right? And so you're so, so right. I had a client, a CEO, hire me. And she said to me, for those who don't know, typically when people are interviewing an executive coach, they interview us in groups of three or maybe four or five. And then they make a decision of who they're going to bring in. So it's not that they just pick up the phone and call me necessarily. They usually have whittled me down. Well, she said, Eddie, it's come down to you and this other coach. She said, with you, I get a sense of what it's like to be with you because I've been watching your videos online. I get a sense of what that's like. I don't know anything about this other coach. And I went, wow, that says so much. I eventually did get the job to be her executive coach, but it let me see the power and the importance of, as you say, the mix. The videos allowed me to come into her presence and talk when I wasn't able to talk to her in person. She was listening to my show. People contact me because of the podcast. Yes. And I run the metrics and I see that 20% of my listeners are listening to me on an Apple watch. Wow. Really? They're turning non-productive time into productivity time when they're running or doing yard work, whatever it may be, that's why they're listening to the show on the watch. 
it's not just on the desktop or on mobile phone, which is what I would have anticipated. So when I signed up for the service and allowed me to see exactly what devices are used, what operating systems are being used, that was revolutionary to me. And so you're right. The mix is so, so important. And it's so funny you say that. I remember when we first met, we met at, it was NSA in Phoenix. It was the first conference I went to. Actually, I'm wearing this shirt today because I was like, actually, I bought that shirt when I was in Phoenix. I'll wear this today because that's when I met them. So I was like, I'll channel a bit of my US energy today. But Connie Podesta did a fantastic keynote at that conference. Memorable. Yeah, she is just incredible. And I remember one of the things that she talked about was the value of a video page on your website. And she said, the problem is, is that for a lot of us, our videos are over on YouTube and they're sitting over there and people have to kind of click over there. But if you're a meeting planner or conference organizer, your YouTube channel is more often than not the place where you typically start. And particularly if you're working in the corporate speaking space, unless you're known as having a massive YouTube following, that typically isn't where they're going to start the process. They're going to start the process through the Speaker Kit Showreel website. But then Connie talked about having a page on the website that is almost like a YouTube channel on the website. So it's like a selection of videos that people can watch. And, you know, that was one of the most practical and highest return on investment activities to this day. I told all our clients and it's been such a high return activity and I've got to remember to send her an email and tell her how well that worked out because I reckon you're spot on is that they need to get that sense of is the audience going to like this person because a meeting plan has got a lot at stake haven't they to be able to say well are they cocky are they arrogant are they funny are they they got high energy I need to match this person to that audience so the value of that video and and it can be a daunting task to our first some but did you find that you kind of just got used to it just through practice or did you find it was sort of naturally easy to do to start to bring video activity or video into your communication i've been doing video work probably since i was a, a young teenager from the first video probably production i was a part of at the local library and you're making me think about this i haven't thought about this before this how old was I? Probably elementary school. I was a part of a video production using the Apple IIe, the first computers available at the time. And that was something that was pretty special. And so while I am not an expert, I consider myself a weekend hack that I've always had some acumen at being able to do some basic things on my own. But in terms of being in front of the lens, well, that was something that kind of came naturally just because of the things I've done throughout my career. Yeah, because you've done quite a bit of media and things, so you're kind of used to it, I guess. Yes, but it still became an issue where you need to have a different type of media presence depending on what you're on. So, for example, to be on a Sunday show, you need to really be able to speak in three sentences and stop, you know, 30 seconds stop. Different than perhaps here where I can maybe give you a one or two minute answer. You would never try to do that on certain shows. And so understanding context, audience, timing, because usually those are five minute segments. And so it's more rapid fire. Which then leads me to more virtual world. And you're obviously a certified virtual presenter, which is through eSpeakers. We've both been through that certification. And then as a result with COVID, where we've Mm -hmm. come from being on stage and no doubt the US is in a slightly different situation than we are in Australia here. We're starting, we've had 
very strict quarantine laws. We've had very minimal deaths and cases, certainly compared to the US. We've had a very strict situation here where we're just starting to come out of it, just starting to have some face-to-face events again here and there. But from your perspective, so much we hear a lot about what's happened in the US with the volume of numbers and what that means for you with events. What have you had to do and Everybody hates the word pivot, but what have you had to do to manage your practice and to sort of be able to still have a practice through COVID and even now, how is that evolving? Before COVID, I had always been a virtual person. In fact, one of my big regrets is I never wrote the book that I should have had out that would have helped people during this time of COVID. Now, of course, people have entered that space. So it's been something I've done and perfected long before COVID happened, but I did it in terms of running meetings. And at my coaching practice, so one-on-one, I had already been virtual, which allowed me to start to have an international client base. But what I didn't have perfected once I realized that this is going to be a permanent way of life for a while is mm-hmm. to be able to show up on camera appropriately as a professional speaker. And what that means is, yes, I know how to present virtually, I would have told you, and I was saying that. But what I didn't realize is now this calls for upping the game. And I said this to a colleague yesterday. In fact, he's my best friend. (laughs) I said, as maniacal as I've been about presence and how we show up in person in terms of suits or blazers, whatever it may be, as maniacal as I have been about that brand, I said, I've now transferred that to how I show up in meetings online. Because no matter what meeting we go to, we've got this same box. How do I show up in a way that sets the bar high and puts me above anyone else I'm showing up against? And part of that meant don't just show up with a regular webcam anymore. Don't just show up (laughs) with, I'm concerned about the backdrop that I use. I'm concerned about the lighting, concerned about what I'm doing with the sound, the audio. So all of that had to change. And so I've taken my virtual appearance online to another level as a result of this COVID crisis in a way I never would have even considered before. Certainly. I've always seen lots of virtual presence of you and then now like all these stream decks and like you said, lighting and thankfully your background's technology. So a lot of this I'm imagining you kind of, like you said, you had started to integrate some of these things, but then it was like, oh man, there's a whole new world of black magics and ATEM mini pros and it's like, ooh, big learning curve. I was talking to a good friend of mine last night and I said, listen, I spent two days immersing myself trying to figure this stuff out. And I remember feeling like this is a waste of time. I'm not billable. I need to be billable right now. But it's paid big dividends because once I put the time in, it's allowed me to deliver now in a way that I couldn't before. One of my professors said something I'll never forget. I think it may have come from Larry Rabiniak's work. Sometimes you have to go slow to go fast. So once we slow down, learn a new skill, hone our craft, Now we're off to the races and we make it look easy, but people don't understand that the time and effort we put in to now make it look effortless. Yeah, right. It's so true. And I love what you said about presence. Working with a group the other day and we were talking about, it was someone that was delivering some sales training and we're talking about, because like now, if we look at say LinkedIn, if you're doing, if we were doing say a screen grab of you know, we're at this conference, you know, in the past, we would maybe do a selfie and we're like, hey, I'm speaking at this conference today. Super awesome that we're talking about this. And we've got the audience in the background. And it's quite clear that you are 
the presenter or we talk about owning the room. It's clear that you're the leader in the room in that moment. But on Zoom is that if you're taking that screen grab of that Zoom screen and you've got the Brady Bunch photo and if people can't see in that image that you're the person who's leading that room, like this person that we were working through, so that was an activity I got them to do. They had to share screen shares of their sessions and she was in a hoodie delivering the training she's like well you know I just kind of sit and chat to people (laughs) but even though it's sitting it's time to stand if that screen grab is done and that image is going on social media or going in a newsletter or wherever isn't it it's that it still needs to be clear that even in that group of 12 or 15 people whatever it is that you can scan really quickly and say there's the trainer there's the speaker that's the person who's running it just because we're behind a computer screen like you said before it's about how do I make it clear that I'm in an elevated position here it needs to be clear that I'm the leader in the room absolutely no question about it and so people are able to see that visually because sometimes when the picture is snapped the green highlight is on the person that's speaking and it's usually the photographer doing the countdown so it's not on the person that was leading the session and so you want to make that very obvious so Eddie couple of questions in terms of personal brand and now this is probably where personal brand links with leadership brand you got married to beautiful Ashley a few years ago I remember your wedding day is the 7th of July because it's the day before my birthday that's right isn't it you had your wedding on 7-17 yeah yeah that's right yeah and so you got married and now you have your gorgeous daughter so you're a new father And I'm super keen to learn, what have you learned about yourself as a result of becoming a, because I get married in a couple of weeks as we're chatting offline about as well, what have you learned about yourself since becoming and your own identity and your brand as a result of becoming a husband and a father over the last only recent times? Well, becoming a father of this little girl (laughs) has just really changed my life. First of all, I think academically, I knew a lot of things just from what you see on TV or you see in general or hear people talking about, but nothing, nothing prepares you for being a parent, especially the age of that, right? My wife's a couple of years younger than me. (laughs) And so to experience all this firsthand, this is an education. I say she teaches me so much and it's causing me to think differently. I used to use an illustration when talking about how to be a good coach to act like you're talking to a child. Well, it sounds good in the book when I say that. (laughs) But now I'm having a chance to learn how to talk to a child who cannot tell me what's wrong with her. So everything I'm having to do is based on intuition, based on reading her. Mm -hmm. And so that's causing me to deepen my presence as a father. And Mm -hmm. hopefully my clients feel that as I show up as a coach. So the new emotions, especially being a girl dad, right? Yeah, my dad's a father of three girls, so yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's given me a new set of emotions and a, it's allowed me to tap into different parts of Eddie Turner and to become more self-aware. And then combining that with obviously the changes that come in the relationship. There's some things that I've heard people say that I didn't understand in terms of what a new child does to a relationship. I understand that now. I'm I'm living that. I'm going through that. And I've worked with clients and I've talked about certain things. And now I'm laughing at some of the things I may have said in the past. (laughs) Because, (laughs) like, you know what you're talking about. (laughs) 
So it is a true, true learning phase for me. And now I've got my most important coaching client for the rest of my life. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm so thrilled for you. You're doing an awesome job and you're hanging in there with the sleep deprivation and still working away. So uh, you're doing an awesome job. And I know for all of us that know you, we're so thrilled for you. And she's got so much that she's lucky to have to learn with you over the course of her life. So it's going to be a great future ahead, I'm sure. Thank you, Jenny. So my last question to you, Eddie, is from building your brand, building your practice as a speaker, trainer, coach, and not just any speaker, trainer, coach, but an absolutely world-class speaker, trainer, coach, author, facilitator. You only have to look at the certifications in number six in the top 30 motivational speakers, your professional certified coach, the CSP certified speaking professional. If you had your time again, if you got to start all this again and you were building your personal brand and your practice, what would you do? Is there anything you do differently or any advice for our listeners that you'd say, yeah, I wish I kind of did a bit more of that (laughs) or a bit less of that? Is there anything that comes to mind? No, nothing that I would do different. I would say, Jane, because everything is a learning experience. Either we learn what to do or we learn what not to do. Hmm. The role for me was in IT, especially without having a degree, you had to be certified. When I first entered the IT business, because I was like early, early on, you didn't need certifications. You could literally show up and say, I know how to fix computers, and you would be hired. Later on, people said, well, we require even plumbers to have a credential, right? So they said that, We need to form some standards. And they began to form those. And so having a certification became critical in the IT industry. Mm -hmm. And it became even more critical than the degrees. We would laugh at our friends that had degrees because we got a certification in six months and they spent four years and we were making right. (laughs) That all changed, of course, and people then started to demand the degrees. But I applied that same thinking when I came on this road to transforming myself out of IT, Mm -hmm. that whatever I want to pursue. I'm going to pursue what I'm passionate about, first of all, because I felt like I'd never had a job in my life. I always did what I loved and I'd do it for free. Yeah. And my parents didn't have that. They only had jobs. They did things, whatever was available. It wasn't what they liked. And they had to do that all day, every day for their lives. I never had that. I loved going to work. I love what I did. And I wanted that to be the same way in this new career. So I want to do what I'm passionate about. And I want to have an independent verification that I'm as good as I say I am. So I decided to pursue certifications in these areas, just as I did in my IT career. So I said, I want to be a professional speaker. Okay, how do I prove independently of what I say that someone else has put their stamp on me and said, yes, he's met this criteria. So I went certified speaker credential, same with coaching. Same with facilitation. In fact, the certified virtual facilitator through the International Institute for Facilitation, in effect, is one I helped create when I spent four years on the board of directors there. And so, yes, so pursuing certifications, creating certifications so that I and others can say we need a standard. It's been independently verified. And so if someone who wants to hire us knows what they're getting because we've been tested. Right. And what I really think is fascinating about that, Eddie, is that like if you look at the balance of what you've done with those things, like you've got the coaching certification, the speaking certification, because we talk a little bit about here that 
if I'm a meeting planner or conference organiser, is that I'm not necessarily looking, if I want someone to speak at my conference, I'm not necessarily looking for a coach because I don't want someone to get on stage and ask coaching questions. I want them to be able to get up and to be able to speak, which is the opposite skill of coaching. So being able to show, I love this mode of delivery. What you've really committed to is working out what are the modes of delivery, what I'm seeing anyways, the modes of delivery, and then what's the world-class certification in those modes of delivery. So like what I see is flexibility. So I can go, yeah, I can put whatever, Eddie will know what to do with them. If it's the moment where I go, actually, I need to ask this question, I need to stop talking <laughs> and need to do this, or actually, I need to bring more facilitation and perhaps bring in a bit of presenting and speaking skills so that you've got that well-roundedness is what I'm kind of guessing. Is that kind of what you're thinking too? Well, absolutely. And I'll tell you, that brings up another good point, Jane, that you're making. Getting the certification is one thing because you now have the end result to show. Mm. But I would say just as important is the process that you go through to earn that certification because you fill in gaps that you, again, don't know that you have by going through a formal process. Certainly in each of those categories, I felt that I already had skill, but going through that process where they demand certain criteria be met, you have to now, oh study this, study that, read this, read that. And you go, the journey was just as important as the destination. Right. Yeah. And then that creates the agility, doesn't it? Because you can just move through the modes really fast because now it's about the customer and the, and the customer centricity and the trust is there because you've got those certifications. So I think that's a really, really smart strategy, Eddie. And I think for those who are in our community and those people who are listening to this podcast is if you're trying to build your brand, build that differentiator to be able to stand out and really particularly when you're meeting those new clients that they have that reassurance. And a lot of people, I don't know if you find this, Eddie, is that a lot of people will say, I've never been asked for my certification. And we go, yeah, because you got it there. <laughs> they don't have to ask because it's right there. It's on the website. It's on your signature block. It's now out of the way or it's now removed the friction of fear that they may have that things could go wrong. Is going, oh, great. He's got all those. We now get to talk about what we want to talk about. Is that what you found as well? Well, yes, and. <laughs> <laughs> People will say that this was a big deal in the coaching industry early on. People say, I don't need that. Nobody's asking me for a credential. I don't need to go through that effort. And the same thing would happen to me in IT. It was true. But Mm. then people did start to demand. And if you have it, you were left out. And people are finding it, especially individuals I know that have PhDs. I've got a PhD. Why do I need this coaching certification? I have a credential that's far higher. And the answer is, yeah, you're right. However, the market is now demanding that even if you have a PhD, you have met this coaching credential, that you're going to show up as a coach and not a professor on the engagement. (laughs) And so individuals have had to go through the painstaking process that they were avoiding. So my word of advice would be, yes, you may be able to get away with it today, but will you be able to do it tomorrow? And the time you decide to pursue it, how much further behind the line will you now have placed yourself to the other people who have the opportunity now? So true and such valuable advice from someone who's one of the best, if not the best, in the game. So, Eddie, 
thank you so much. If people want to follow you, if they want to connect with you, what's the best thing to do? Visit askeddieturner.com. It's here Mm -hmm. on the screen. Ask E-D-D-I-E. T-U-R-N-E-R.com. There you will get access to my videos, the latest news, my podcasts that I appear on, such as this one. This will be loaded there. And all my social media handles appear there, as well as the Keep Leading Podcast. And if you haven't already subscribed and listened to it, I would ask that you go to keepleadingpodcast.com or on Apple Podcasts. Listen, subscribe, give a rating if you like what you hear. Make sure you do that, people, because Eddie is one of the best in the business and being able to follow him, see what he has to say, not just from building a brand perspective, but just I think you are a real quality human being. You show how it's done and I think you create a lot of connection for your audience in seeing that you're real and you've got real presence and that real authenticity. And I think, you know, it gives people a reminder that leadership and building your brand is not about something that's fabricated or anything it's actually about being the best version of yourself and you certainly demonstrate that so thank you so much for your time eddie we are so grateful to have you on and uh hopefully we'll have you back again and maybe we'll catch up when we get to do some face-to-face conferences again (laughs) thank you so much jane